Listener Production. Hello, my lovely listeners. I've slipped into your ears because I want to talk with you. I have a big question. And for this episode, I'm joined by one of Australia's most loved media personalities, Shelley Craft. Now, most of us know and love Shelley from her starring roles on the telly over the past 30 years, including being on that ratings juggernaut, The Block. But did you know that Shelley also hosts a podcast called The Aging Project? Now, through her research, Shelley's discovered that our genes only count for 20% of our health outcomes. So most of us have a whole lot more control over this than we think. And we can choose to age more fabulously and change the course of our future because I want to empower you. I want to empower myself about how it is I can make a difference to the next exciting stage of my life. So my big question this week is how can we make the rest of our life the best of our life? And I have the perfect person here with me, the beautiful Shelley Craft, to explain that because I just look at your face and you exude this joy. Oh, you do, you. and you, you make like, me blush. Now. Oh, but you're like sunshine, and very much your fabulous podcast is all about how we can embrace aging. Absolutely, for me, it's not something to be afraid of. It is something to really embrace and be thankful for. Because I know I've heard you say the alternative sucks. So we are here, and I'm 47, and I think I've got literally half my life left to go. What's not exciting about that? And I guess the importance of that is making sure that your lifespan and your health span end at the same time. You know, I do want to split leap into my grave at 120, having really embraced the whole 120 years, not just the first 50, not just the last 50. And I think I've done okay in the first, you know, 50 odd. It's how we make the most out of that next phase. And we might be the first generation to really be able to do that in full body and mind. So you say 120. Do you reckon you can live to 120? Absolutely. There is no reason why I can't and no reason why anyone who's sort of mid-50s, 50s now, can't make it to 120. I fully believe that. Oh, wow. I love your optimism. So what then have you learned about what it is that we can do, especially as women, to age well and to make sure that we make the most of this exciting time that's ahead in our lives? I think that's the first part, is to be excited about it and to look forward to it um, rather than this being, oh my God, we're 50 years to go. How am I going to fill that time? There's so much wondrous stuff that we can be doing in that time. Again, it takes looking after yourself. You know, the human body wasn't designed to live that long. We were supposed to start breaking down and perishing in our 40s and that was the end. But we have this amazing, wonderful coming together of science and holistic views and mindset and all of this beautiful cocktail, I suppose, of knowledge that we're gaining now, plus what's to come in the future. And wonderful philanthropists that are pouring all of their attention into ageing well and longevity. So it's a really exciting time, but you do have to embrace the excitement. 
and not be scared of it. So let's talk about sharing some of that knowledge because you've spoken with those top experts across the world about ageing. If you can distill it for people, is there a top three or a top four things that we can do now to make a difference? Yes, I believe. Again, I'm coming at this from a very naive perspective. Um, A girlfriend of mine from high school called me out of the blue one day. She goes, I've got this idea. Um, She sadly lost her mum quite early in her life to cancer and she wondered whether that was her genetic path. Is that what I'm destined for? So for her, it was a mission for information. And when she came to me, I said, why me? I'm I'm not getting old. And I was, I was 45 at the time, but it never occurred to me that I was growing old. So the whole, uh, I guess the way I go about my interviews with my amazing guests, whether they be science, uh, holistic doctors, people who've lived a very long and full life is from a gathering of knowledge and information. So I'm not pretending for a second I'm an expert in this at all. Um, I'm like everyone out there, just curious and interested. So what I have gathered is A, a lot of it is mindset. B, eat your veggies. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty clear. Um, because Even if you don't like them. Even if you don't like them. and I uh, like a violet crumble at night. Well, that's okay. But apparently, according to wonderful Dr. Ross Walker, who is this cardiologist that I interviewed, he said once every three months for a treat. I went, what? No. What? He has his baked cheesecake once every three months. I went, oh. oh he not, needs not, to live. Yeah, I'm sorry. Said, not, what, not once every three days. <laughs> not once every, even three weeks. You're talking, you only treat yourself once every three months. So, sorry, Ross, but, you know, we do need a little bit of life in there as well. It's having a happy outlook on things. It's getting sleep. Sleep is one of the big keys and that is a solid nine hours every night. Nine hours? Yes. Do you get nine hours sleep a night? I try really hard to and look, I love sleep and always have so this isn't a life change for me. Uh, My husband hates sleeping and is the life of the party and he would love to be out there living his full 24 hours every day. But for me, yeah, I love sleep anyway. So that's something that I won't really compromise on these days. Interesting you talk about sleep. I know as I get older, I'm a little bit like Kath and Kim. I get into bed and I say Mm. out loud, I love your bed. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. But the flip side for me, because I'm going through menopause and and I'm open about, I do HRT and that's Mm -hmm. helped me. But what I found was that my sleep was really disrupted before Mm -hmm. I began the HRT. And so it's difficult. You know you need the sleep, Mm -hmm. but you toss and turn and you can't get Mm -hmm. it. And I know you spoke with an expert who was able to change, I suppose, her hormone makeup with diet and supplements, wasn't she? There is. There's a lot of biohacking that can go into ageing if you want to really deep dive into it. But I think the key is, again, a good nighttime routine. And I've never been one for routine. My life does not function well with routine. So this is something that I'm trying to build into my day, whether it's my morning routine or my night routine. And I'm finding a lot of comfort in that. Because again, life can be a little bit chaotic. But if you set yourself boundaries for that nighttime, the wind down, you know, the turn all the lights down in the house, turn the down lights off and only have lamps, watch the sunset. So that actually triggers your body to go into that rest mode. The sunsets have been spectacular. Yes. And I do try and take a moment to look out at that night Mm -hmm. sky 
And there is really something very, I think, special and almost peaceful, spiritual, about looking at that sky. Absolutely, but also, you know, from the inside. That's when our bodies were told, it's time to get back to the cave, get to your safe place. This is where you set up the fire and have quiet time with the family or the clan. You know, if we go back to those really hereditary stages of humanity, sunset was vitally important, as was sunrise. That sort of triggers you to start the day and and all your hormones and all your levels do change at that point in the day. So really bringing it back to basics, I guess, is one of the key things. And then, you know, obviously we've got our fight and flight. We've got our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous systems and, and all of that. But just go back to the basics. So at sunset, start to slow down, start to wind down, get off your devices. And then when you go to bed, like you said, I love you, bed. Make it a really special time rather than, oh, rushing to bed and I know that I've got to rush then in the morning. So, yeah, enjoy your bedtime um, and enjoy your mornings. Be grateful for what you have. And I know some days we wake up knowing it's the early start. You didn't get finished what you needed to get finished the day before. But still, even before I open my eyes, I say, it's going to be a good day. I'm going to have a great day. I don't say I'm going to be busy. I say I've got lots of wonderful things to do. So it's reframing how you see the world as well. And for some people that does and will take practice. It's loving yourself. You know, there's a lot of really basic things in there that will bring you longevity. And then, of course, the biohacking. That's where the fun starts. (laughs) Sometimes we can get caught up in the idea that whatever it is our DNA means, that we're then set for that. We can't change our genetics. We can't change. If this has happened in our family, then we can expect this to happen for us. But that's not the case, is it? No, it's not. And you may be predisposed. Absolutely. There might be a genetic pattern there. Absolutely. But there is science now. And I think this is where the beauty of this East meets West and all the holistic ideas that have coming through um, meet Western medicine. And we can change the course of our future genetically. Um, wonderful woman by the name of Yal Joffe, and she is a, a neutrogeneticist. <laughs> I hope I got that right, Yal. She was an extraordinary guest, and she said you can turn your genes on and off. So if you are predisposed to certain cancers in your family or heart disease, you can actually trigger your body to turn that gene off. And I told my girls about this one. I said, right, broccoli is the key leafy greens. So if we eat leafy greens, we won't get cancer. (laughs) And so I sat them down to this giant bowl of broccoli one night and my little one said, is that it? Am I cured? Am I good? (laughs) I said, no, darling, this has to happen every day for the rest of your life. Um, But there are little life hacks like that, that yes, may not be the absolute cure or end to that story, but at least you're doing something proactive to help and to change your genes in that way. And what have you changed? Because you've begun to meditate, haven't you? I did, yes. I had spoken with a meditation expert, Elise Catchlove. She was in our first series and she's a Vedic meditation teacher and I now practice Vedic meditation. So it's, I guess, it's more meditation for the working girl, for busy life. 20 minutes, twice a day, if you can find the time. And they say if you can't find 20 minutes for yourself a day, what are you doing wrong? 
I'm doing something wrong. Yes, you've got to take 20 minutes for yourself. Um, Vedic meditation is a really interesting one. You, you don't really need anything else but yourself. When you get good at it, you don't really even need a quiet space. You can do it on a plane, you can do it in the car, you can do it at a shopping centre. It has been invaluable for me and it makes the rest of my day even more productive. So even though I sacrifice that 20 minutes, I know that I'm going to get twice as much done once I've done it. Um, we've also spoken in the most recent series about breath work. So if meditation isn't for you, then breath work is a wonderful way that you can, A, take time for yourself. And I think that's a really big key of realising how valuable you are. And we don't say be selfish. We say just be more selfless. If you can't actually give yourself something or give yourself permission, find a way around that mindset. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. And let's just talk about breath work for a moment. I know when I get anxious, I really can feel my breath high in mm. my sort of chest. And as I talk to you, I've got my hands up around my chest. So it's really about sort of centering, mm -hmm. isn't it? And breathing from down here, yes. from your diaphragm. And again, there are experts to help you with this. I'm a very much a novice, but I love it when I put my headphones on, and this might be a good one for you. It's like having a snorkel on underwater or when you just hear your own breath, as you would, you go, <laughs> I'm up in here. And I know the minute I pick up my phone and I see a hundred unanswered calls or emails, <gasps> you catch your breath and it might stay there for minutes. You don't even realise that you've stopped breathing. So to just acknowledge, I need to take a breath. And again, you don't have to be an expert in breath work, but to learn to take five deep breaths and it all sounds so simple, Jess, you know, when you lay it out like this, there is no magic remedy. There is no silver bullet. It's all of these things together. And most of it, we innately know. We just have to tune back in. And take that time. I think for people listening now, take that moment as you're listening to Shelley talk, see what your breath is doing. Think about bringing that breath back down. And I mean, as you're nodding as I'm saying that, I think it's so important that we find those pockets in the day which we can carve out for ourselves. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about is you mentioned mindset early on, that sense of the best is yet to come, because that really is our big question about how can we make the rest of our life the best of our life, mm -hmm. that, hey, we're at our midlife. I'm 53, and I think about what is it that I want to do next, as opposed to thinking, oh, no, I've left it too late. How then do we crystallise that? Because we can daydream about things, but they can remain daydreams. How can we actually make some of those changes mm -hmm. to ensure that the rest of our life, we're capturing some of those dreams that we might have had when we were younger or things that we didn't do because we were busy with our kids or our ageing parents? Mm -hmm. How can we make that a part of our lives? I've also gone to the experts for this one, Jess, because I'm learning. Uh, I interviewed a wonderful lady this week, Kate Christie. She's written a book called The Life List. And it's not a bucket list. 
because a bucket list is, as she describes, something that all the things I need to do before I die. And usually it involves travel or adventure. Whereas a life list is all the things I want to achieve while I'm still young enough, healthy enough, fit enough to do them. So the two are kind of parallel, but I think there's more life things rather than just events or ticket items for your bucket list. And she said, you have to write it down. It has to become something that you're accountable for. And to just have the far off dream or the idea is not enough. Once you tell someone about it, once you put it out there into the universe, once you write it on paper, it becomes formalised. That's so true. I find with me, once I start to verbalise things, then... Then you're accountable. Yes. Somebody else is going to go, Jess, why... I thought you were going to do that. I thought you were moving to Italy. Like, you know, wonderful Kate Langbrook, who um, I was lucky enough to sit with at the Logies this year, and I just unpacked her bag about her life experience of moving to Italy and why would she take her kids out of school and what was the purpose and had she been planning this for a long time? And for her, it was on her life list. And I thought to actually hear from experience and to see that, A, I think a lot of people need to know it's going to be okay. No matter what decision you make, it's going to be the right one. So whatever's on your life list, write it down, hold yourself accountable and do it for yourself. It has to come from a selfish place if that's what it takes. What's on your life list? Well, I haven't started mine yet. Oh, come on! (laughs) I'm a hopeless planner. Um, (laughs) I have literally, and I think probably... Anyone in Australia knows I've kind of flown by the seat of my pants my entire life. So again, this is all for me to now work on and work on myself. And my kids are sort of in their tweens, so I feel like I'm finding the time for me, which takes effort to not fill my days with other things for other people. You know, to not breed narcissistic children that you do everything for. You say, no, this one's for me. And even the podcast, The Ageing Project, has been that for me. It's been a really fulfilling but selfish activity. I want this information. I'm taking time out of my day. I'm lucky enough to be speaking to these experts that are giving their time to me, so I'd better make the most of it. Well, there is so much that we can learn from your incredible podcast, Shelley, The Ageing Project, and really we can discover how we can make the rest of our life the best of our life. So thank you. Cheers to that. Bring it on. Yes, with broccoli (laughs) and I tell you what, a violet crumble in bed. If that makes you feel good, baby, (laughs) that's what you got to (laughs) do. Shelley's podcast, The Ageing Project, aims to help redefine ageing with the best advice available to celebrate and empower ageing rather than shrinking into the shadows. Now you can search wherever you get your podcasts and you can keep up to date with everything Shelley by following The Ageing Project on Instagram. Now I'll be back next week with another beautiful big conversation with one of my guests. And if you like this conversation with Shelley, if you learnt some tips that you want to share with your friends, because let's face it, we all want to live to 120, especially if we can still rock and dance and look sensational. Tell your friends how they can live to 120. For more big questions like this, subscribe to the Jess Big Talk Show podcast. It means you'll never, ever 
miss an episode.